Welcome back to all of our devoted listeners. I'm your host, Daniel Durante, and I am extremely excited. The NBA season is back. Regular season hoops. It's the best time to be a hoops fan, really. Um, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine and a regular guest, Max Richardson. And I know, Max, you must be as excited as I am to talk hoops. We have to do this emergency pod. Yes, Stegs, look, great to be here. I couldn't contain my excitement after watching a few games today and really just wanted to talk about it, so here we are. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, on the Practice Squads, Practice Squad Sports Network, we do a variety of uh, different podcasts, NFL, fantasy, um, football, we cover our fantasy football league, and of course, hoops. And we were supposed to actually do an NFL podcast tonight, but we were too excited. We had to talk hoops, so we decided to do an emergency NBA pod uh, and and we do have a lot to talk about in a short period of time, so we're going to make it as quickly as possible. We're not going to beat around the bush too much. We're going to get right to the point. And the first game of the season, Max, was, of course, your Sixers up against the Boston Celtics, and it was a good game to start. I think uh, I think the Celtics kind of ran away with it in the end. Um, what were your What were your takes on it as a Sixers fan, Max? With an open-minded, we... with an open-minded opinion, of course. <laughs> As always, I thought we were there about in the first half. I liked the way they were using Simmons on the offensive end, especially in the first half. But then I think you kind of saw the experience and the depth that we touched on last week about the Celtics, and they kind of just took over a bit in the second half. And then down the stretch in the fourth, a couple of big shots from Marcus Morris, and and then it was all she wrote, really. Yeah. Um... Simmons really, just to touch on the first point you made, Simmons really made an assertive effort, it seemed, to be aggressive kind of in that end of that first quarter, start of the second. I think, I don't want to say he was looking frustrated, but he seemed to really want to make put a stamp on the game kind of from the get-go. And I think, obviously, the start of the game was uh, quite erratic. A lot of missed shots, turnovers, kind of a couple of gimmies uh, went missing. And after that, it kind of seemed to yeah, me Simmons wanted to make a stamp on the game, and he looked he looked great. He's so fast in the open court, and his passing is incredible. You see some some of his impeccable between the leg, behind the back passes to Fultz and Embiid and such. So he was he was um he was in, he was phenomenal. Yeah, and just touching on a bit further, I think he gets a lot of confidence when he sees his passes go in. We yeah. only shot five of twenty six from three. And when those shots don't fall, um, like Robert Covington shooting two, two of seven and JJ Reddick shooting two of eight, it's probably not going to happen night in, night out. So maybe just an off night. And I know Simmons really feeds off that energy of his um, him seeing those shots fall. So that's probably why he saw a bit of frustration. Yeah. And once he gets frustrated, uh, he does tend to push the issue a bit sometimes when it's not there. Yeah, definitely. That You did see that last year as well, so... But I think one of the things that uh, the Boston do, and you touched on it, Max, uh, early in the week when we did a season preview episode on the Practice Squad, Spot, Practice Squad Sports Network. Fuck, that's a tongue tongue twister to say. It's a mouthful. Um, that, uh, that Brad Stevens in the playoffs last year did a pretty good job of kind of isolating Embiid on the defensive end with different lineups and different offensive sets that they ran. And I think one of the things that they do well is that that smaller lineup that they have now with Irving and 
Gordon Hayward back, who didn't seem that healthy, to be honest, Gordon Hayward, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but yeah, the lineup that they had, it forces Embiid out to the perimeter. So he's, he's away, he's not doing what he does best, blocking and altering shots. So from the get-go, Boston had an advantage simply from that, and it led to Embiid guarding Tatum, which I was kind of a bit iffy about because I was surprised that they wouldn't have him on Hayward, to be honest. Even if Hayward was fully healthy, I think Tatum's skill set doesn't suit Embiid defensively at all. What do you think, mate? Yeah, Tatum, probably after Irving, has the best kind of handle, and his moves on the offensive end is, it's we were talking about it before, it's pretty phenomenal for a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, especially to start, it was a strange move to ha- put him on Tatum. But yeah, like you said, probably sh- maybe could have gone to Hayward, particularly that he was probably not going to be 100%. That's it. And, yeah, th- that's what I found a bit confusing. Yeah, I mean, even That's, if Haywood wasn't, if even if he was one hundred percent healthy, I still feel like maybe it would be a better matchup. Tatum does like good job of getting his shots off over, uh, whether it be a four or five man or a guard. He can he has that kind of shimmy. It's one head shake or one kind of one in and out move, and he's getting a shot up, and he's got the defense leaning. And Embiid, as as we were saying before, he's not he's not too great out on the perimeter guarding at the three-point line. So uh, that was an interesting one to me. And I thought, as I said, Boston had that advantage from the get-go. And once the game got into a rhythm, the flow started happening, kind of getting exploited a little bit uh, for the for Embiid on the defensive end. But in saying that, yeah. he's still obviously phenomenal um, in other aspects of the game. So I think that's just, though, part and parcel with being over seven foot and 275 pounds that you're going to get teams that are going to want to exploit you but then I think that's what you give up for having such an offensive skill set that he does yeah no for sure I get, yeah it's one of those things that it's kind of it's hard tough. to match up as a, as a coach um, it's that's where it comes down to a team effort on defense I, I feel yeah and like you said yesterday making sure you're fighting over those screens so you can't mm-hmm. get that mismatch yeah definitely um, so you know it was a it was a weird game, but I just thought yeah Philly weren't very active defensively. They were kind of flat footed, arms went up, weren't contesting shots, and even when Boston got a shot up, they weren't going after the boards, and it was just bouncing out, and Boston were getting second opportunity. So I thought it was a bit of a a bit of a lazy start. Um, maybe it could be a bit of fatigue, potentially Max, as we know they came back from China. Yeah, I think I've, there's been this thing on Twitter that I've been reading, kind of one of those really deep Twitter dives that there's this theory that teams that go to China in the preseason start off really slow. They don't have the legs. Yeah. Um, and I know the magic, Oh, sorry, the Mavericks also went there and they shot three of 18 today and we shot five of 26 yesterday from, from downtown. So yeah, sorry. It's from three. From 30, that is. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. You'd assume that you'd get up for kind of one of those opening night matches. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, so many times, it's kind of basketball one one You can get going defensively as well. When you're not active and you're flat-footed and kind of almost don't look like you want to be there, it's, yeah, it's a bit... won't really get you going. So, One last thing I want to add to the Sixers-Celtics game. I, there was a, something that I thought was interesting. It doesn't have anything to do with the actual game specifically. I thought it was interesting that... And obviously in the NBA, they've given them the okay for NBA players to wear whatever color shoes that they want. So it's, they're not required to wear team color shoes. 
Did you notice that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were, were wearing shoes that were red and blue, the colour of their opponent? I don't know about I that. Did, I did notice that. I didn't. I have. I had. Of all colours that you can choose from, yeah, maybe there's yeah. a backstory. Maybe there is a backstory. I probably shouldn't have presumed, but still, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It's going to get. I wonder if. Were they? Do you know if they had to swap shoes? Uh, not sure. No idea. Okay. Yeah, no idea. Um, one last thing I just wanted to touch on was I thought Boston got a lot of help from their bench. Not. Not saying that's a discredit to their starters, but Morris, Baines, mm. Smart, and Rozier especially. Yeah, actually, that's a good I thought. thought they really gave good drive, in, especially in those times when Tatum and Irving were on the bench. Particularly, Baines had a stretch there where he yeah. was playing on Embiid and really took it to him, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rozier, he's, he just seems... Him and Smart, just they just bring a lot of energy and a lot of... They get the crowd going and... Yeah, especially, smart especially. At, yeah, at the garden and yeah, you know, just for sure. Um, two things, yeah, really quickly. I'm glad that you brought up the bench because I just wanted I wanted to say I forgot about it, but I thought Baines had a really good game actually. Um, I won't go too deep into it just because we're going to try keep this short and sweet. And I thought Horford, as always, underlooked lockdown defender, really took it to Embiid for the most part all game. But yeah, um, moving on. Uh, so the luxury max of doing your own podcast is you have the ability, to, the ability to talk about whatever you want. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about the Knicks. <laughs> I thought, um, we well, again, we're not going to talk about it for too long. I just watched the entire game before, um, before we started recording. So I just wanted to touch on a few things. Obviously, I think if anyone looked at the box, I had a huge second quarter, forty nine points which is extremely exciting. And it was for good reason as well. Defense, we were extremely active um, on the defensive end, getting hands in the passing lanes. Our defensive rotations were phenomenal. Like the best I've seen as a Nick fan that I've watched a lot of the games over the past kind of, you know, three, four, five years. It's the best defensive rotations I've seen. Again, game one in the second quarter. You can kind of take it with a grain of salt, but it does kind of, kind of show like back to the first quarter, you see all these good highlights of the second, but in the first quarter, we shot 32% max and turned the ball over six times. So there's kind of the two differing uh, differing kind of play styles that you'll see us with throughout the year. Because there's probably going to be times this year where we're going to be having games like that first quarter where we're shooting 32% with tons of turnovers for a one, two, three, four game stretch. Because that's just the reality of a young team. I think we have the youngest roster in the league, so... But in saying that, I, again, can't discredit what we did well, and that was defense, and that's what Fizdale's kind of preaching. So I don't know if you... I think you just looked at the box score, so it's kind of hard for you to talk about it. But, um, um, but yeah. yeah, do you have anything to add to on that? Yeah, it's definitely promising that if you do have a kind of lackadaisical first quarter and you do have pretty young guards, that they're then able to not dip their head and continue on and, and turn it around. Yeah. Fisdale being there definitely on that defensive end because if you have one good possession on defense, it can kind of turn around your whole quarter or your whole kind of run that the team's on. Yeah, for and just sure. getting that one stop or that one steal or one block it brings a lot of energy to whoever's on the team. And then having those young guards that don't go into their shell and continue to attack and drive and kick and shoot, yeah. then that plays a big role in t- turning it around. That's it, yeah. I think Fisdale instills a great deal of confidence 
within the young players. And uh, yeah, you really see it. And we looked at the box. You looked at the box score, and you pointed out. I didn't realize Nilakina was the only player with a negative plus minus. Um, so for those of you that are listening, I don't know what a plus minus is. The basic there's a, like an extended version of it, and there's a basic. The basic kind of outlook is it is the point differential while you're on the court. So Frank Neil Keenet was the only player with a negative plus minus. Um, but that kind of goes. He Max, he was exceptional defense. He, I like you know how high I am, I am on him defensively. I think I truly believe he will be an all defensive player at some point in his career. Could be this year, could be next year. I I I truly believe that, and I don't know. I'm. I don't think that's me being biased. I really do think he's a great. He started at the three guard and was guarding a six foot eight, six foot nine guy in Torian Prince. So, pretty impressive there. But yeah, that's and going back to that um, confidence that Fisdale has. Um, Nikola Kina led the Knicks in minutes at thirty four minutes, and other coaches might get scared when they're kind of down and, and look towards their veterans, but. I think a lot of credit um, needs to be given to Fisdale for sticking with what he's what he's been saying all off season, which is that he's going to trust these young guards. Exactly, that's particularly it. Frank. Yeah, particularly for Frank. sure. I mean, yeah, you get you forget. Nilakina's twenty. Uh, Knox is nineteen. Yeah. Uh, and but, also the fact that Frank hasn't played in the college system. Yeah, exactly. Either. That's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that goes back to like our another thing that kind of led us was our fight, like our transition so first thing uh, David Fisdale kind of messaged all the players on his first day of being hired was running is going to be a huge part of the um, preseason and I truly think that the Hawks in the second quarter especially in the third they were gassed they couldn't keep up they were like jogging back on defense while we were sprinting three on two fast breaks we're getting buckets in the in transition it led from defense to off um, defense to transition offense and that's that's what the Knicks' identity is going to be moving forward. So I think it was good that we saw what Fizdale's vision um, of our franchise and where we should be was already apparent in that first game of the season. So I think that was another big credit to the players and, of course, David Fizdale. But that's enough about the Knicks. I know it's so easy for me to go on a rant about them. I think I've done most of the talking, so I apologize. But keep in mind, the Atlanta Hawks had three big outs today, actually. They had John Collins was out. This, um, one of their phenom second-year players, uh, Dwayne Dedman and Justin Anderson didn't actually play. So they are three big outs for for the Hawks. Two starters, really, and a pivotal bench player in Anderson. So um, I thought Trey Young as well, the fifth pick, the prize kind of rookie for them. He was really good, I thought. He like kind of had a pretty balanced game, made some good shots, but at times I just think he got like, too aggressive. He was at times he was just playing too fast and he just settled a little bit. He was in pick and rolls. He was like overrunning the the roller and he was getting under the rim and he had nowhere to go. So I think he just needed to chill a little bit. And that was one of the things that I thought about Treyon. But overall, he actually had a pretty good game. I thought. Um, um just with Trey Young, I think well, that's not expected. But you're probably going to assume that a rookie is going to be really excited to be out there. And yeah. Opening night at the Garden. Yeah. Um, Nerves not in. much bigger occasion that you get. Yeah, but for sure. Their coach Lloyd Pierce, he's had a he's spent last year. He spent kind of spent the last couple of years at Philly, <clears throat> yeah. um, and they have num- like Simmons obviously, but also another good guy who handles the ball really well in the pick and roll situations is T.J. McConnell. Yeah, and 
So it'll be hopefully that Trey Young can kind of steady down. Um, and obviously, one of five from three, you're expecting that as the season progresses, that's going to that will um, improve. look a lot nicer. Yeah. And that was a deep three as well. Um, one quick thing on Lloyd Pierce. Obviously, he was a bit of a defensive coordinator, if you will, when he was in Philly. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, as I said, the Knicks had a lot of their scoring in transition, kind of outrunning and outworking at times. But if the Hawks don't have much of a defense in a game, they don't really stand a chance at all. Like, I know they don't have the best roster, but if they're a chance of winning a basketball game in the regular season, they're not on defensively, at, for, at least for this year, just because of the young players. They're not as much of a shot of winning, but it'll be interesting to see how Lloyd Pierce implements kind of maybe some of the defensive strategies strategies that he had in Philadelphia last year that led to the Sixers being one of the top defensive defensive teams in the league. So, yeah, no, it'd be interesting. Um... Moving on, Max. What was the next game? Did you want you wanted to look at? Uh, Bucks and Hornets. I think we had. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Absolutely. That was that was a low key good game. If anyone, obviously, not everyone has access to League Pass, but if you can get your hands on maybe some other highlights from that game, that was awesome. Came down to a clutch pair of free throws from Kemba Walker, and then followed by Giannis. It was a really good game, man. And the Bucks got off to a hot start. So, um, well, one thing I just want to add was yeah. If you look at the Bucks box score, look down the bottom and there's a M. Delavadova did not play coach's decision. Yeah. That's interesting to me. He's got a pretty high contract number and their rookie, Dante DiVincenzo, yeah. played 22 minutes in kind of that backup two guard or off guard yeah. that Delhi plays. What? But it's probably, I think that you're going to see that a lot more. Yeah, for sure, and to the, be and I was um I was a bit dubious about that as well. But the thing with um the thing with Divincenzo, I don't know, kind of have like a general white guy feel about him, where he's just maybe a bit of a shooter. But he did have um a couple of plays where kind of see him handling the ball a little bit in a pick and roll, as you said, as an off guard. And I think he can be a decent NBA player more than just a shooter. So I mean, I don't mind it. I don't know if that's going to be something permanent with Delhi. And I know he's been fully healthy over the summer. He had like some injuries last year, but Delhi's healthy, from my knowledge. Unless there's something we don't know. So. From a from a Hornets perspective, um, obviously getting great production from Malik Monk off the bench. Yeah. Scoring eighteen points, um, and hopefully that can kind of continue for them. They need that kind of bench spark. Yeah. Shooting fifty percent from three isn't too bad, and yeah. having a positive positive plus minus is is always good. And I think he's obviously just got that offensive flair and skill set that gets Hornets fans excited. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's a, that's absolutely right because there was a time where I thought maybe the Knicks are going to draft Malik Monk up last year. Oh, yeah, last year when they they end up taking Milikina, but um, I'm glad we didn't. He is. Pretty off on defense. He gets he gets caught. I think he doesn't know where to go sometimes. It's yeah. either bit and like it kind of the Bucks got off to a really hot start. I think they were up by almost twenty at one point. And it wasn't just Malik Monk, of course. The uh, some of the rotations that Charlotte missed were pretty apparent. It led to just dunks, like layups or dunks, and um, yeah, it was kind of a problem to start, but. You'd hope, you'd hope, though, that 
Tony Parker being on that second unit and James Borrego being a coach from, both from San Antonio that they'll be able to work with Monk, yeah. especially that communication. Yeah. And 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 how to be aware in defense. See, that's the thing with like when you have defensive problems like that, and you pointed out with Aiton as well, Max. It's all fixable things. It's a matter of sitting down in a film room, watching tape, and then implementing it onto the onto into practices, and then it just comes into game. So just a matter of just repetition, and I think plays like that will be fine, especially under the correct tutelage of when the front office puts the right people around certain players. It's uh it's a good thing for younger players to you know, to develop their game. So, um, but just quickly, I don't want to like say I'm right or anything, but I touched on I was excited about the James Borrego and um and the Kemba Walker Kemba Walker tandem. I know again first game of the year, but I did think Kemba Walker just had more room to move, and I think that kind of goes through with a um that kind of philosophy of that simple pass cut replace kind of thing that. Um, game plan that Borrego has. Do you think? That, do you think we'll see yeah. Kemba Walker shooting the ball twenty nine times? I tend to. I tend to think that that's probably going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I actually do think it will probably will happen. Who's shot the monk? Shot sixteen. True. Um, another thing to add is Frank Kaminsky. He didn't. He had a DMP coach's decision as well. He seemed to be quite a play pivotal bench role and even starting last year. And I don't believe he's injured. Mm. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, again, maybe, I'm not too sure. Maybe Hernan Gomez has overtaken him for that backup forward center role. Yeah, it'll be good to see if Hernan Hernan Gomez, another guy, if I couldn't play in the Knicks, they'd... I know his defense is so bad. He's got a good offensive skill set, but his defense is so bad they didn't want him on the court. So I don't know if that's just Jeff Hornacek and Jeff Hornacek his opinion on him or what it was, but, you know, that'd be an interesting one. But Giannis, he's he's already, his court vision, man, especially in the post, does what LeBron does when he posts up and backs players down. He has that vision across court, kicked it to DiVincenzo a couple of times, backing down on the post, and it's literally, his game's almost shaping after LeBron's a bit. He's, he's a very special player, and... When he gets down low in the post, particularly, a lot of teams are going to look to send that second defender. So if he's got that ability to find the open man and make that post out, make that pass yeah. out of the post, he's just going to be even even a better player. He's a Five, nightmare. Ten, you go, eight yeah. turnovers, though. Yeah. Yeah, of course, when you have the ball in your hand that much. And I still... <laughs> the fuck thing is, he's still so young. Like, yeah, he's, that's just crazy. a learning curve still. Um, but there was a move... Yeah, again, anyone who hasn't watched the highlights of this game, I actually recommend it. It was a really entertaining game. There was a play. Someone guarded him on the post. He, said so, he had so many different looks. Batum guarded him. Rookie, Miles Bridges. There was a pl- there was a possession of the game where he just posted Miles Bridges up, turned baseline, dunked it, like, just off, like, simple, yeah. easy. Again, Miles Bridges, a rookie. But a bit of a bigger body. But Giannis was just able to bully him and <laughs> work him under the po- um, under the basket and just turn around and dunk on him. So, um, but yeah, um, but yeah. Moving on, I think there's another game you wanted. We were going to touch on. Um, yeah, Pelicans Rockets. Um, Rockets. The thing that I got most out of this, yeah, was Nikola Mirotic 
obviously being extremely Ooh. efficient from behind the line. Oh yeah. Um, six six of eight shooting. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think I, I know that um, Davis loves having that second. He likes playing power forward. Yeah. And having Miritich and also Randall there. Mm. Taking that defensive five probably, and and also being able to space the floor with Miritich is going to help Davis exponentially. And putting up sixteen rebounds, eight assists, and, and thirty two points, and three blocks, three steals um, as well. Yeah, incredible. Almost, a, I would say, just you know, what you expect really from mm. a player of his caliber. Yeah, definitely. And another one, yeah. So Randall came off the bench and had twenty five points in twenty three minutes. He had a pretty big game. Um, twenty five points, eight boards. So each one more got the start over him. And to be honest, I like the lineup that they had today. So they had one through five. They had uh, Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday, Eton Moore, Nikola Mirotic, and uh, Anthony Davis, of course. And Max, to be honest, I like Alfred Payton. Yeah. I like him. <laughs> I, I, I like him. I'd, and obviously he had a triple-double today, but I like him for a variety of reasons. That Defensively, he is one of those guys... Here's my instant respect. He's one of those guys that fights around screens. He did. He was doing it with Harden when he had to guard him and Chris Paul. I think he's really good defensively, and I think the Pelicans are actually going to be a pretty good defensive team. Yeah. Well, if you if you swap if Miritich comes off and Randall goes on, and you've got um, Peyton and Holiday guarding the that's the guards, and then Davis and Randall in the wings, that's pretty yeah. formidable. See, don't you think that's a good backcourt? Like the Alfred Payton Drew Holiday matchup. Peyton a bit more of a ball handler, and then Holiday, that kind of more of a scorer, shooter, off kind of guard. Because there was a long point of his career where he was the sole one, and I just feel like that wasn't his yeah. game. And now Peyton's coming in. I just think they're going to be a good defensive backcourt, and he's, um, I don't know, I think they're just going to benefit from each other on the offensive end. Yeah. Drew Holiday has played off the ball before as well. He played it off the ball in college. Yeah, or like when he was in Philly, he was kind of the primary one and even at the start of his Pelicans days so. what about what did you think about the Rockets um well honestly like Melo is like he's bad I hate saying that like he doesn't want to play the four because he doesn't want to bang with other fours or fives down in the post yeah. there's times where he should have switched at like off a screen or healed just stop running with what his player that he's guarding. So there's a point where Eric Gordon, now they didn't score from this, but Randall had to guard, um, Jul- Eric Gordon had to guard Julius Randall because Mello just stopped running with Randall. And then Mello's back out on the wing on defense. And it's just like, it's the same stuff that you see from Mello over and over again. I'm sure he's taking a bench roll now, which he said he would never do, but still, but he's still got ways to go. He always seems to get this kind of get out of jail free card though. Like this off season, it was always like, oh, he, he'll be right. Like he's he's back in the system. He understands. He, he's accepted the bench role. He can just come off and, and take over scoring. But he just defensively just doesn't want to put in effort. Like you said, getting over screens or or playing down low and yeah. That, and twenty seven minutes is minutes too much. is a lot. Twenty seven minutes is too much for yeah. Carmelo Anthony of 2019, in my opinion. So. Um, yeah, it's a shame though, but that's just kind of reality of yeah. of his game now. But I mean, I didn't really have a whole lot to say about that game, to be honest, just because I only watched the condensed game of that one. But I was mainly pleased yeah, with the Pelicans, of course. So 
I think, yeah, Pelicans moving forward, they just make sure they continue to feed Davis and make sure he keeps stays healthy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, did you want to talk about anything else, Max, before you start uh, wrapping this I, up? I had a couple of notes on the T-Wolves Spurs games. Yeah, on me. I, I'm very, I'm very sceptical, though, because I know we have a, probably our number one fan. He's a avid Spurs fan, so I'm not going to dig too deep into the... Yes, too deep deep into the Spurs game because I know he'll pick, pull me up. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just there was this moment where it was very close in the fourth quarter, moving down the stretch, um, and when the T Wolves had the ball, they neglected to get the ball to Carl Towns, who's uh, their best player. He's their best player in the post. Yeah. They didn't want to get it to him. Instead, they're having. Wiggins shooting contested long twos. They're having Gorgie Deng shoot threes. Your favorite um, player. <laughs> uh, just seems seems like why would you not go to your best player who you've paid the most money to when the game's on the line? Yeah. Um, yeah. And there, then there was another bit where if the game was still on the line. There was probably thirty seconds to go, and and Wiggins had a chance to intentionally foul. Um, DeRozan, I think it was, and he just gave up and then didn't want to chase. See, that's the Probably. see, that's the kind of story of Wiggins, isn't it? Just kind of yeah. lack of interest, lack of and no, not much heart, yeah. And then on the Spurs side, um, they only shot twenty six percent of their attempts from three, and that kind of continued the um, trend that they had last year when they only shot twenty eight. Yeah, um, they did shoot them at a reasonable clip, which was forty four percent, but especially with the addition of DeRozan and then having your secondary scorer in LaMarcus Aldridge, both love that mid-range game. That's probably, that trend's probably going to continue. Yeah. All credit to Pop because when the league's zigging, he's zagging. Everyone wants to shoot threes and and get layups and he's still sticking to the let's shoot mid-range, which is fine because DeMar DeRozan is an exceptional player. Yeah. Um, And so is LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah. Well, I think, I think... (coughs) It's not the f- as much of a fact that he's like doing it by choice. I think it's just that his two best players in DeRozan and Aldridge are mid-range guys, and they get a lot of their shots at the mid-range in that mid-range area. So he's fine to strength or playing to yeah, strengths, coaching to strengths. So I guess so. What I was trying to say, yeah. was a cr- it's a credit to Pop that oh. he's not trying to force them into playing the way that everyone else is playing. Of course, he is playing to what his best player does. Yeah, he's letting them be who they are, and that kind of happened when. Last season, or what was it last year or the year before? He, um, Aldridge kind of wanted a trade, but he sat, sat, um, Pop had a meeting with him, sat down with him, yeah, admitted that he wasn't coaching him right, and then kind of turned from there. So it's a credit to, yeah, just Pop's greatness and his coaching pedigree. So there was, I just want to touch on one play. There was one play when, um, Marco Bellinelli was driving to the rim on his left. He's kind of lost the ball and it's fell to him behind the ring. He's then kicked it to, Paddy Mills, I think it was in the corner, who's passed it to, um, I can't remember who it was. Anyway, there was a sequence of six passes. The ball didn't bat, hit, there was no dribble. It then got to DeRozan in the far corner, who then hit a three. Yeah. And, I mean, when you hear stories about the Spurs, that is exactly what you hear, is that they That's pass right. and they kick and they pass to the open guy no matter what. Yeah, of course. And, of course, DeRozan is capable of hitting that three. Not the strongest, obviously not the strongest part of his game, but capable of course, um, shooting yeah. from downtown. So, um, but you know, it was, <laughs> it's been a fun two days. 
I think we just yes. have a lot to say. We, I don't know how often we'll do kind of just review of games. I think this is more just out of excitement, but I'm still all for talking about games, you know, <laughs> once or twice, once a week or once a fortnight or whatever it is. Um, all for it, but there were a couple of other games that were played today, but they were the ones that we had um, had our eye on and the ones that we looked at a bit. So if there's any teams, if there are, for the listeners, for the people that do listen to us, if there's a team that you want us to look at, and again, these are all just our own opinions, but if there's a team you want us to look at over a one or two week period, we'll break them down. I'm all for it. Yeah, um, definitely. I think if there's listeners out there that go for a team and, and want us to hear what we think about their team, then definitely hit us up for sure uh so so yeah no this was um this was a lot of fun this was just very excited got home from work today and have been watching basketball for about five and a half hours so um i absolutely love it max thanks for coming on with it with me today and chatting hoops with me again no worries always a pleasure stakes too easy man well um i will talk to you soon we've got a fantasy oh no we've got an nfl podcast up next we're gonna try to get that one out tomorrow um so keep in Keep your ear out for that. And then, yeah, more basketball ones over the next week or so. So thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, Max, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Stakes. No worries, mate. Have a good one. See ya.